It is Sunday, October 23 at 7.09, about to be 7.10 p.m., which used to be a normal Brave start time, but that's for baseball season next year. Um, we have Jake with us. We've got uh, one of our staff writers, Kiefer Milligan, with us. Uh, thanks for popping on for uh, in the place of Akshay, who uh, has some family stuff this weekend. So glad you can make it on. No problem. Yeah, we're, we're going to run through our miscellaneous news as we usually do first. So, Jake, what happened on the golf courses this weekend? Yeah, we're uh, leading with golf because this is probably the most uh, underknown thing of the week. I, I didn't see much about it on the Twitters, but uh, Golf Club of Georgia, relatively local tournament. Uh, Georgia Tech, I think, counts as the host here. Uh, and Tech took second place uh, with a 22 under par on the weekend for their A team. And that's going to be interesting because they also fielded a B team who got fifth. So uh, Tech uh, really clogging Ooh. up the top of uh, top of the rankings there. Stanford did storm back uh, from six strokes behind Tech's A team uh, to uh, to take the win, which is a little disappointing. But Tech did wind up with the number one overall finisher in Hiroshi Tai. Uh, Ross Steelman got fifth, uh, but was representing the B team, uh, as well as Ben Ruder, who got 15th. Uh, we did ask about both of those guys last time. So, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe coaches see something in practice, trying to get some other guys some different looks. But at least in this tournament, when you know, we have the keys. Uh, we were able to put all uh, all 10 guys out there. So uh, Ross and, and Ben were participating. And then also of note, uh, Christo Lamprecht uh, of the A team got 10th. Aiden Tran, I think of the B team. And then Connor Howe, of the A. One was A, one was B. I do remember that. Uh, both tied for 20th. So Tech up and down uh, the board and really just shows the depth they've got there. In terms of other teams, Pepperdine, Tennessee, Washington, uh, UVA, Texas A&M, Bama, Clemson, Duke, uh, South, uh, Southern California, sorry, I almost said South Carolina, ETSU, and Wake Forest round out your list. So quite a good showing from local powers and then the uh, ACC as well with notable uh, defending ACC champions, Wake Forest coming in dead last. So, um, you know, maybe uh, maybe we get a crown back there. Other than that, that's a pretty tight weekend for for golf. I would love some ACC titles in the future in whatever sport we can get them in. Speaking of titles in a sport, uh, Kara Lee and Shara Brewer won regionals since we last recorded at the ITA uh, Southern Regionals, which was uh, Southeastern Regionals, which was here. Um, they were they had won the semifinals when we had last recorded, uh, and Lee also got second in singles, so she'll be at the national national tournament for that in San Diego. And then the men at uh, their ITA Southeast Regionals both lost to some uh, Athens folks, unfortunately. Uh, Choper lost in the third round. Uh, six one and six four, and then Sashtiv lost in the consolation uh, round of thirty two. Uh, six one six two doubles. Uh, took and uh, took an early L eight uh, six. That was Chopra and Bauer. So, uh, better news on the women's side. Not as good news on the men's side. Um, baseball surprisingly, uh, maybe not surprisingly because I guess this happens. They had some exhibitions. Yeah. So, uh, I guess it kind of snuck up on us. I did see some uh, some twittering prior to this, but uh, Tech did host Jacksonville State. I almost said South Carolina again because I'm thinking Gamecocks. Jeez, too many acronyms there going around. But um, they did host Jacksonville State for two seven-inning games. The first game ended in a 5-5 tie. Uh, Luke Schmolke uh, seemed to be the pitcher of record, at least, uh, or at least the one they called out uh, on Twitter. Two innings pitched, uh, one hit, no runs, and four strikeouts. So, hey, uh we need more pitching uh, if uh, last year was any indication. So that was good to see as well. Stephen Reed, John Gleisher, uh, and Angelo Despigna uh, each had uh, a hit or two and a couple RBIs. And then uh, in the second game, Tech won five to two and seven with Terry uh, Bussy, Buse, Buss. I don't know. We'll, uh, find, we'll out. find out. Uh, <laughs> two, two innings pitched, uh, one hit, no runs. Uh, five strikeouts with Nicholas Romero getting two hits uh, for two RBI. Jackson Finley, two hits, one RBI. And Karsten Sabathia, um, he of CC Sabathia's lineage, getting two hits, one home run, and two runs batted in. So certainly nice uh, to see some production returning in the lineup there, considering we lost a heck of, heck of a lot of it. I know, um, at least for me, even the, the names that were familiar, uh, uh, other than Reed and Sabathia, of course, like Nicholas Romano, I might've said Romero the first time. Oops. Um, Jackson Finley. Um, you know, th those are, those are guys we didn't see a ton of, I think it's fair to say last year. And other than that, it's, it's all new names, but we got what 55 games in the spring to 
to really get to know them and, and uh, be really familiar kind of in the way that uh, we have in the past. So a lot to look forward to there, but uh, not a lot more to report on. They've got one more game coming up next weekend. Uh, if you are in town Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Sabathia has a pretty uh, strong opportunity here. I think, you know, he he's listed as a third baseman as a recruit and that that's open. We had, you know, Compton playing third base a lot of last year just because uh, Jenkins was at first. So Compton will probably slide back to first where he's definitely far more comfortable. uh, And that, that spot's available. So if Sabathia can come through, there's a few other guys out there uh, that, we're pretty good uh, guy. Jake DeLeo can actually come back and have yep. a full season. Um, he is a big time talent, but pitching, I, I don't know where the pitching is going to come from, which I say every year and the same thing happens. So I, I really hope that they can put a full, full team together for once, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. And then softball. Well, we so we had a fifth inning run rule. What is this? A little league game? It's something like so. Softball does have pretty early run rules. I think it's ten. That's after right. That's right. Yeah. Four they do have those. Five, oh, yeah. and then it's the same rules after yeah. six. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they did play seven seven inning double headers for softball are normal because they only play seven innings. Right. Uh, but they did that again uh, against Bevel Bevel whatever state. Yeah. Um, on Friday, uh, that was a run rule, uh, and I only know that because somebody I know happened to be walking by. Uh, and was like, oh, softball's happening. Oh, softball's over uh, on their way to volleyball. And then uh, Sunday's results up in Dahlonega at North Georgia are unknown. So go figure. I hope they had a nice fall, but it's now over. So we have no idea what happened, and we'll see them in February. And then finish up with club hockey. Yep. Uh, one and one on the weekend against previously undefeated South Carolina. And it's actually South Carolina this time, I promise. Okay. Uh, so Tech did wa- wind up uh, finishing the weekend on a strong note. Uh, you know, first loss of the season to a pretty good team. So all good. Upcoming this weekend, uh, baseball plays again. They're going to host Kennesaw State on Sunday at one o'clock. The cross country team heads to ACC championships in Earliesville, Virginia on Friday. And then also on Friday, swim and dive is going to go to FSU. So some lovely, uh, either important late season action, mid season action or preseason action. We got all the seasons coming up here. Uh, and then <laughs> Before we get to football, let's hear from Section 103. Yeah, uh, and with swimming heading on down to FSU, uh, that meet is usually outdoors. Can speak for it. I've I've been to that pool. And if you're swimming an outdoor meet, one of the most important things that you can do is stay warm on deck. Section 103 definitely has you covered there. And you'll look like you'll fit in with the team uh, if you're wearing Georgia Tech stuff when you are at said outdoor pool in Tallahassee in November. Uh, in terms of long sleeve stuff from Section 103, I personally love my tech uh, faux baseball uh, zip up. Uh, that is a great little uh, little grab. But they've also got, uh, as we've noted, Coach Brent Key sweat style sweatshirts coming soon. Uh, so that's plenty to look forward to and pre-order. In addition, their crew necks are great. Uh, the, the jackets with the GT and the national championships uh, is something I own in short sleeve because uh, I was too eager and wanted to buy two T-shirts instead of waiting for one crew neck. Uh, but their crew necks are very soft as well. Uh, and of course, they have all that stuff in the logo and the wordmark as well, including the ATL logo. So f- definitely check them out. Free shipping over 70 bucks, section103.com. You know the drill. Follow them on Twitter and uh, interact with their polls as well to decide what comes next uh, because Stephen is very attentive to the fans as well as the trends with the, uh, you know, sawed off Brent Key uh, sweatshirt action that he's got going on there too. So. Back to the football situation, which um, I guess let's just take a breath here and acknowledge that we're not perfect still, despite how lovely the last two weeks were before Thursday. Uh, we lost 16-9 to to the Virginia Cavaliers at home under the lights. Uh, was not uh, – the vibes of this game, let, let's start there because, I mean, all of us watched this or were either there on TV – I, I, they, the, the TV, the commentators made note of like how loud it was. And then I saw the crowd was 29,000 people. So that part was a little bit of cognitive dissonance for me, or just the commentators trying to make it seem fun for a Thursday. But I, what, what, what did y'all pick up? Kiefer, go first. You're the guest. It was just sloppy and it pretty, once Sims left, the offense became pretty lifeless. Uh, Gibson was not good, which uh, surprised me. I mean, I really wanted to see Gibson based on 
some of the stuff I, I watched when he transferred, I watched his film at Akron in the past year when he was starting. And I came away pretty impressed. Um, I thought that he had some tools uh, in terms of his accuracy. Um, and what was weird is when in the games I watched Akron, what stood out to me was his toughness. That didn't show up. No, he was he was falling down before the defenders got there. Um, he was giving up on the last play uh, and acknowledging that none of that is what I saw in the Akron film. So by the end of the game, I, I, I got to see him play, but then I was by the end saying, okay, let's try anything else, anything else, wildcat throw uh, Pumachan out there and just have him run every time. If he can't throw or read anything, just have him run the football every time. Can it really be any worse than this? Um, Gibson has a good ball coming out of his hand. Yeah. Like it, 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 yeah, he, it just wasn't accurate. He was constantly overthrowing guys. Um, he was dancing around in the pocket. He was not stepping up in the pocket properly. Uh, he just looked lost and he looked like a guy who wasn't prepared to play, even though, uh, Sims was clearly not a hundred percent and that's baffling. That's coaching. That's on Gibson and the coaches. Yeah. Um, this game, obviously I, I'll admit I was not, on the higher Brent key train before. Um, and my kind of big fear was that he would run through the coastal, which I think is worse than a lot of G five divisions and <laughs> then get the job off that. Uh, that's, that didn't happen. Um, that's, if you want a silver lining, hopefully we didn't, wouldn't make what I would consider to be a suboptimal hire based on bad coastal opponents. Uh, but yeah, but it, it, it just overall, the coaching was poor. The toughness was poor. I thought the defense did a few things, but I think we also have to remind ourselves here that this Virginia offense was abysmal, absolutely yeah. abysmal. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, they couldn't. They, they, they had dropped. one. They had How one many? good Madden Madden spin move play, and that won them the game. Right, and, and they dropped another touchdown. Right, yes. and they yep, missed they did. They how did. many field goals? <laughs> We're talking about special teams. I was looking at you know, special teams EPA or whatever, and, and Tech was better. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they missed. missed I think at one point there was goals. four or five kicks missed in the game between the one field yeah. goal we hit, and then they missed their field goals, and both of us had missed extra points. And then they actually got a, block, a, punt, a punt blocked. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we extra point as well in there. This is not a good team um that the, the tech was playing and and a lot has been made about tech's improvement on special teams and yeah they're not getting punts blocked anymore but uh they're still having issues the adjustments they made to stop those punt blocks are leading to over out kicking the coverage and other types of issues like that yep. uh as well as is is the big fix for for the field goal unit was just switching from jude kelly to stewart like any coach with half a brain should have done that, which tells you a lot about Jeff Collins. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> this is not some genius level adjustment. We um, we have Gavin Stewart corner on this podcast now because of this. Okay. Yeah. The uh, uh, I I don't disagree with 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 any of that, and I think it's pretty keep for I think a, a perspective that you bring like me and my fandom is like just like reality because i'm very much like the dreamer right like i see i see brent key and i go like man like he's one of us he's doing good like wow maybe he is an option you know and obviously not like serious like you know go go call dave clausen or jamie Kent. we'll get to that but you know obviously not a serious candidate but the the part of me that's like the sports optimist wanted to believe right wanted it to be a good story wanted it to you know like beat these garbage level teams no offense to virginia or duke or or whomever but you know teams that tech should should have a chance of beating like it it it, it felt like we had a chance um and in terms of in terms of just like the the vibes it, it it's long been something i think in acc circles right like virginia tech has had like Thursday night has been like one a year, like their thing. Like they pack out lane stadium. It's a nighttime thing. It's electric, whatever. I don't think that really translates to many of the other fan bases. And I think text reflected that as well, given like crowd kind of feeds off the team. The team kind of feeds off the crowd. It wasn't that big. 
the team didn't really do anything and the minimal group of people that showed up weren't really responding that said i thought the students turned out well but in terms of just like being there and like watching gibson struggle watching the offense essentially look non-existent for an entire football like like we got a touchdown but it was a pick six right like the, you can't really credit the offensive have as having done anything and it's it, it was at least from a just like entertainment point of view even i was just kind of like i'm here <laughs> yeah is that is that a fair way to put it? i mean jack you're you were a block away and you weren't even there like no i, I mean, wasn't i mean i cold, wasn't there because but... i just didn't want to like be outside that late knowing that it could have been in a I'm just weak to the cold and I just kind of knew this there was a real shot this was going to be a dumpster fire game versus something entertaining from a football sense um so I mean yeah it was ugh, ugh, it got hard to watch at the end and speaking of hard to watch I'm looking at just the total EPA right now um we won the absolute value battle in terms of had a total EPA of negative 38 34.84 to Virginia's negative 26.85 uh, so it's just it was a garbage shoot everywhere for the most part. Um, Virginia got gained three points just on penalties. We gained two and a quarter on penalties. Um, so it, yeah, not the greatest, not the greatest of days by any means. Um, our EPA per play was negative 0.45, which is in the worst percentile you can get. Uh, yes. So that, that, that's fun. I do like your note keeper about just like running the coastal could have led to some, not just to some thinking that was not going to be helpful. Yes. Um, I, I, in my head, I think, I, I mean, I had at least known like he was definitely not going to be our, not going to be the savior in any way or shape or form running the coastal was an option there knowing everything. But I think, I think it's, a, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say like, I'm glad we lost so that the key, tr- the key train could stop basically. Um, but I think there's an element of bringing this down to reality Maybe not. Maybe a, a win would have been nicer, but at least this performance showed the variance still that exists in this team. Go ahead, Jake. Right. All right. Yeah. So I, I was going to say uh, on that note, is there really anything we can take away from this game? Like Gibson wasn't too effective. Key and and his staff didn't really seem to have made many a, a adjustments coming out of the half or anything like that. Like I, I just didn't see anything that made me go like. This I don't want to say nothing that's redeeming, but like it's one of those games that harkens back to the Jeff and Davey P, uh, you know, 2019, 2020 specials, 2021 uh, of just like, like, what are we what doing here? Right. Yeah, Kiefer, like what? Yeah. Kiefer, Kiefer, Jack, Kiefer, is there anything Kiefer. we can take away from this? Uh, to me, it's just it's time to move on. This is the big yeah. takeaway. But I think if you want if you're looking for a positive takeaway, I'll give you this. I was very impressed with the defensive front. Uh, specifically yeah. the interior defensive line i thought played and yes this is a a bad rush this is a bad rush offense they're going up against but they've shown me more this year than they showed me in how many years under paul johnson that was always a struggle pain point um other than a few bright spots um today they played well they were making uh tackles for loss they were getting penetration to the backfield on run plays uh they were getting off blocks and making tackles themselves uh, and, you know, yeah. this past recruiting class is supposed to have some of the most highly rated DTs that that Tech has brought in, in a long time. And we haven't even seen those guys yet, yet we're still having guys produce um, like Scott and Biggers. Uh, they, I thought both of those guys played a pretty good game. Uh, if, the, if there's a bright spot to be taken from this, it's that that, that group is young, that group is developing. And uh, I think they will, that'll serve the next coach well at a position that Tech has historically and probably will continue uh, to in the future struggle to field um, just by its nature of yeah. how competitive it is to recruit and, 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 and things like that. Um, I, I think kind of going back to Jake's comment about, uh, you know, wanting to be an optimistic fan, I think, I feel like my role in this whole search. And one of the reasons I kind of set out on the whole coaching profile thing anyway, is kind of be the, that soulless killjoy and, and, and take emotion out of the decision process because, well, that's how we got here. Isn't it? Todd Stansbury couldn't separate himself emotionally from his decisions. Yep. Yeah. And that's how we got in bad contracts. That's how we got Jeff Collins. That's how we got constantly going after tech man hires. We really yep. got to move on. Um, well, and well Stansbury himself was a tech man hire too. It was, although I, 
I was worried that after we fired him and I, I know you were a big fan of his, I was not, but uh, it, my worry was that no one would touch this job because of the debt. Uh, we got somebody. So I guess that was not completely founded, but I, you know, we don't know who, who said no after looking at those numbers. And I wouldn't surprise me if there were a few that did that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't blame them. No, I, I think, I don't, I think, I don't have any inside information on this, but I think part of the Babinski problem was other than he was just the worst, uh, was that he didn't know, he didn't know what he was getting into in terms of this debt and didn't know how to get out of it. So he stuck his head in the sand until he could get a, get a job to get out of it and left for Purdue. I, that's, yeah, that's what I think happened with Babinski. Um, so though he wanted to fire Paul Johnson and pay that buyout for some reason, uh, but that that's that's kind of what I thought happened. Uh, I think that's why Radakovich left. Um, it, so I, I'm I'm glad we have Bat. Um, you, we'll learn a lot about him really quickly. So I like that too. I like we're going to learn a lot about his decision decision process based on who he interviews and who he eventually hires. Yeah, I do like how you noted development. We can maybe develop some people finally because we know yeah. a coaching a coaching hire that can can prompt that idea um, and make it a reality would be fantastic. Um, and on that coaching idea, we did bring you here specifically to talk about the coaching carousel as of now and what it could look like. I, I was at Jay Bat's introductory press conference and I mean, the, 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 it was brought up immediately about like, Hey, what are you going to do about the football coach? And he was just like, my first day is not for a week. Give me a break here. I still need to figure out like my, my surroundings and totally understand. And his first day is actually tomorrow. So by this day tomorrow, he'll have completed his first full day on the job. Uh, but he's been around. He was at football. He was at volleyball on Friday. So he's been around. Uh, Jake, you got a note before we go on? I, I, I was going to say, I've got, I've got just a general comment. I, I, I think having, I, I don't, that, that press conference was after, after we last recorded. So I don't know if we've done many takes on, on that. Oh yeah. I guess I could talk yet. about that. But, but he, he has been around. Um, he was at the game on Thursday. Um, I mean, he, he's brought his family around. I, I think it's, it, it's not something that we're going to see right away of, of hiring a coach. And if anything to be learned from the last time we hired a coach is that process was honestly shockingly fast. So the fact that he's saying, Hey, let me get here and like, you know, go through this and, you know, get, do his due diligence. I, I think that's a, it's certainly not a bad sign. There, at least I think he's firm. Dare I say his last week was AD facet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, go to volleyball, you know, figure out yeah. where the freaking volleyball team plays. You yeah. know, this is where your office is. Like that's, <laughs> that was what was brought up. He was like, I need to find my office. I need to find where the coffee was. He said that multiple times in the press conference. Uh, so he was, yeah. he's definitely, he was all about that this week. Um, Kiefer, tell me about, you said you're, you're trying to be as objective, I guess, as you can be in terms of who we find as a coach right now. What would, knowing where the team is now, and I guess it's hard to say what kind of team we could become because it's fully dependent on what kind of coach we get and what style they want to implement. But just from what we know now, what do you think are the top priorities in terms of who we go get as a, as a head coach hire? Really? And I, I know y'all had Robert on this podcast a long time ago. I think it was probably before we preseason, but yeah, it was okay. It was before we started publishing all those profiles though. We were writing them yeah. at the time. Uh, we were, we did not think we would start doing it after the old Miss game. I, we were aiming for one and four start. That's when we we're going to, cause that's when the fire talk would right. start happening, but then old Miss happened. We're, All right. I guess we're just going to start publishing. Um, and we, we let off with Chadwell, but what we're trying to do, uh, is frame the discussion around evidence, um, statistical, mathematical, provable evidence. I mean, isn't that what Georgia tech should embrace? I mean, you have all these resources, and Todd Stansbury's out here making decisions on emotion. Um, so we were trying to look at coaches based on the statistics, the outputs they have put on, a, on the field on a play-by-play statistical basis and determine, do they improve their teams from what they inherited? Um, and can we prove it? And for some guys, there really is no evidence. Either they haven't coached above the FCS level um, or – they haven't been a head coach before or uh, or they haven't even been a coordinator before. So with those types of guys, we're trying to look at those guys and say, hey, there, there's nothing here that we can judge. And anything talked about here 
is simply going to be conjecture at this point. Mm -hmm. So we, we sat down and we tried to compile a list of guys that we could get data on and that we could um, show <laughs> that they improved their stops after they arrived. Um, and, and then when we did that, once we got our list together, we started writing these profiles and we started collecting the data. Um, and we collected data on some guys that we ended up not writing profiles on because uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't create a story. Um, that's what we wanted to do. Get the evidence, show the evidence, create a story with that evidence. Um, so what we should be looking for with all that said is someone who takes programs that are not doing well uh, in places that are difficult to win and create success uh, on a play-by-play -play basis, not just in the record books, uh, at those stops. The more stops that that coach has done it at, the better. So that's what we, we, we set out to do. And that's how we landed on Jamie Chadwell as our number one, uh, our, our number one candidate. He has, he's done that at three different stops. Now one was D2, one was FCS. Um, but he also took this coastal team from a team that was an FCS and then they came to FBS and he's improved them dramatically, especially since taking over as head coach. And, and a lot of people want to point out, okay, well, that's just Grayson McCall. Um, he, he, he struck gold with Grayson McCall and, and, and once Grayson McCall graduates, it's not going to look as good. And once he comes here, he's not going to have Grayson McCall. He's not going to look as good. This guy was going to FCS play the FCS playoffs every year. This guy was going to the D2 playoffs every year. There was no Grayson McCall there. Yep. This is not a one-off. Everyone focuses on what he did at Coastal. This guy builds programs. Nobody else we're talking about has built three programs. Um, it, unless you want to pony up the money to go get Dave Clawson, which I don't think anyone that, that, really that, does. That's not re that doesn't seem that terribly feasible right now. I, I would I would agree, especially with it being wake and people can say like, oh, we think he makes this much. At the end of the day, like the, the, we don't know. Right. Yeah. We can guess. But, you know, who know, who says that uh, who says that Tobacco Road ain't going to just dump more money in his pocket anyways to not leave. Like, and that program's on a very wow. nice uphill trajectory, too. And they're in the middle of that trajectory. So leaving now, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I like your note about Chadwell. He like he's built. He's built, he's built at every level. He's got so much very real experience and growing on top of it each time to where I, I think that coming to tech starts becoming a very logical step in that journey all the way up to a top tier FBS team if he can get there. Yeah, and it, like, so I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, his second stop was Charleston Southern. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to win at Charleston Southern, even from an F SCS standpoint. Uh, the Citadel, sorry for mentioning that one, in uh, College of Charleston, which doesn't even have a football team, take up all the media oxygen in that area. And you've got Clemson and South Carolina as well taking up all that oxygen. So yeah. you, they have nothing. That campus is not even really hardly in downtown. It's not in downtown. It's out in it's out a ways out of the, out of town. So it, they don't have much going for them there. And yet he was able to find success there. And, and he was their best coach uh, as both a coordinator before he was a head coach and as a head coach after he arrived. He's the best coach in their entire history before or since. Um, so that's so, that's our number one guy. Kiefer, just just so people it's on the record all in one place. What's your go to line when somebody says like, oh, but sanctions. Oh, but sanctions on the on the Chadwell. Okay, right. so those sanctions had to do with 12 different sports. And last time I checked, Jamie Chadwell coaches one sport. So I think whoever is <laughs> at fault is probably not Jamie Chadwell. He didn't get a show cause. Uh, yep. it, 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 anyone, anyone who brings that up, and, and we put it in the risk section just because we knew someone would bring it up. Um, yeah. Anyone who brings that up in a, as, an, as a legitimate argument is not arguing in good faith. I, I'll give people the Grayson McCall credit, like they're arguing in good faith, because it is a problem that happens where guys strike gold in a quarterback and then they get elevated to jobs they don't deserve. Uh, but this, this, that ain't it. <laughs> this, that's a yeah. completely bad faith argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's our first 
tier one guy. Um, my personal, and now Robert and I, I should, Robert and I, while we both authored these profiles, we have different, uh, different tier one guys, uh, though they're similar. And Jamie Chadwell is the guy, you know, that's our number one guy. Uh, my second tier one guy who Robert also likes is Bill Clark. Uh, if you don't know who Bill Clark is, he was retired after 2021, uh, the UAB head coach who was there before they got sent uh, to non-existent land. And he was their coach when they came back. So he took a team that was not doing very well, started getting on the right track. Uh, and then they didn't exist for a couple of years. And then he brought them back in one th- I think three straight conference champion or appeared in the conference championship game three times. I'd have to look at the profile. Yeah, they were on a, uh, they were on a roll. Yeah, they they took yeah. Okay, so 2014 he takes over the team 6 and 6 after they'd been losing. 2017 he wins 8 games in the first year they came back and then in 2018, 19 and 20 they went to conference USA championship three times in a row winning it twice. So you know, Bill Clark and, and okay, so let's talk a little bit before, about his before time. So in 2013, he was the head coach at Jacksonville State, where he took over. And they won 11 games, uh, and they made the FCS quarterfinals. Then his right-hand man takes over after he leaves from UAB, and they continue that success. And before that, he was on the staff that started the South Alabama uh, program in 2009. Uh, so he has experience on a staff that created a team from nothing. And then he had did a very quick job at Jacksonville State, elevating them and then having his right hand man sustain their success after he left. And then at UAB, he comes in, writes the ship, uh, keeps everything together through the team not existing for two years and then comes back and, and finds great success. It doesn't get much harder than what he had to do from a program building perspective. Um, and that's, that's okay, you're sensing a theme between Chadwell and Clark, they're program yes. builders. They take <laughs> nothing or very little and they build something out of it. I um, must I must ask there then, at what level, where is tech then? Are, are, are we obviously we're not nothing, but like, would you yeah, call it it's bottom out? Better. Yeah. It's, it's way better than, than the UAB situation. I think Tech has some talented pieces on its roster. I don't think this roster, outside of a couple positions offensive line, uh, are truly a disaster zone. Um, it, they're, they're, like I said, this is the best defensive line that we've had in years, I think. So there's something to build with here. And, and now Clark is a defensive guy, uh, probably the only defensive guy I'm really high on because I – Defensive guys tend to be conservative, mm-hmm. um, too conservative with their game management. So, uh, but Clark's teams, a hallmark of Clark's teams is their uh, discipline, their fundamentals. They aren't out of place. You're not going to see what you saw last year in 2021, busted mm-hmm. coverage, every other play. Um, that's simply not what his teams are. And, and his, his teams were truly remarkable uh, in terms of defensive success rate. I mean, the improvement he uh, put, uh, that he achieved on that on that defense at UAB was remarkable. One of the most impressive ones that, that we saw throughout our entire data digging that we did on all these coaches. Um, so he's going to improve your defense and he's going to have them play sound defense. He's, he's going he's gonna to have your team playing defense that your dad would say that's good defense. Um, <laughs> so the, the knock on him is probably going to be uh, his offense weren't that great at UAB. He was still winning championships. So he can build a program. And if you can give him the resources to go out and get a good offensive coordinator, you're really looking at a successful, uh, a successful formula. Um, that's the, that's that. Yeah. A, a building is going to be the theme here. Um, and I mean, as much as we, as he might be starting the process here, he's it, it, even it, probably he won't make it all the way through. I mean, that's going to be odds on no. Um, but I, I would laud him for at least getting stuff rolling in the right direction. Um, and then hopefully we can hand it off to someone like these guys. Are either of these guys your most re- realistic option? Or we do we have to go to a th- another direction there to be like, okay, here's probably who we're going to get just based off the landscape, what we can offer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
think both these guys are realistic, but I think there are some caveats where they may not be interested. Um, Chadwell, um, he could realistically stay at Coastal where he's finding success and wait it out for a job he wants more. I, I don't know the man. I don't know how interested he is in the Georgia Tech job, but he could wait for a better situation. But that said, um, he was in the conversation for both the South Carolina and the Tennessee jobs, and he was passed up. Um, he's a Tennessee native. Ah. So uh, the that was definitely maybe now that he's been passed up by the SEC twice, because the SEC looks for recruiter guys. Um, yeah. They don't look for guys who scheme or develop. They look for guys who can win the recruiting battle every year. And I think it's stupid, but they do it anyway. Um, that's to our benefit. We should take advantage of it. Um, Clark. So Clark retired in 2021. And I, I should mention that he retired in 2021, but he left the door open on the way out. Um, and he had, so he had back surgery. He, he, he had a, a back issue that was causing him, I think a lot of pain, uh, that forced him to step down. Um, he did have surgery and it was successful. Uh, and reports are that he wasn't get al- getting along with UAB's administration super well there, uh, the AD, uh, and that he, it was kind of both a stepping down for the back issue so he could have surgery and then kind of stepping down to get out of the, that that's work environment as well so if if that's true that's that's reporting if that's true i would say he should absolutely absolutely be interested in a job like georgia tech where he can just do it again the guy the guy relishes building um so why not again Uh, so i think both those guys are realistic from both a financial standpoint uh and uh, uh just general realism standpoint but I could also see them both saying no, um, but you have to make them say no. Yeah. Because those are, those are the two, I think, that are the clear-cut tier one guys. I have one more guy that is a tier one guy with me, but he's a tier one with caveats, so we'll call it tier one minus. Okay. Uh, and that's Dan Mullen. Ah, yes. So that's – okay, here's, here comes the spicy takes. Woo-hoo. So Dan Mullen is interesting to me, not because of what he did at Florida, um, which he did find success at Florida before collapsing late um, because he didn't recruit well, had a bad press conference where he said, we'll recruit after the season, which is something you just should never say. And then uh, just not being able to find a quarterback to follow up Kyle Trask. Um, He's not a good recruiter, though he recruited fine at Florida, but recruiting at Florida is easy. Uh, The the logo recruits itself. Um, He would not be able to recruit that well at Georgia Tech. but the guy is a great deployer. He's a great game day coach. He manages everything well. Um, and he develops quarterbacks like nobody else tech could reasonably have available. Um, what he did at Mississippi state is really, I think the closest thing I've seen to what the next coach of tech has to do is just take a, a very bad team. That Mississippi state team was very bad. And then he, had the biggest run of success in Mississippi state history um, with Dak Prescott. And even after Dak Prescott, he had a down year after Dak left. And then he went straight back uh, to a top 25 finish and nine, nine wins. And then he left. So in Mississippi state in some ways is actually similar. People are, this is not really intuitive because people think, Oh, Mississippi state, that's not, you know, a high academic school like Georgia Tech. That's not mm-hmm. the same, same situation. But when you frame it like this, and it's it's a school in a tough neighborhood playing yep. a brutal schedule every mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. that they can't get out of, that doesn't have the resources of the guys that they're fighting against for recruits and resources and everything else or eyeballs. Uh, but he turned them around. I think that's kind of where tech is. Tech has some talent. They're not a program that doesn't exist. They're not a program moving up from FCS. They're not a program moving up from even G5. They're just a program that's down, that faces a brutal schedule year in and year out and lives in a tough neighborhood. Dan Mullen turned that around without blinking. Could he do that here? Maybe if he's interested in stopping being on TV. Sure. He did fly through here on the way to the studio on Saturday. We all know he did. I was going to ask. I never actually followed up to see where he was going. But, yeah, yeah. The, the tweet after that was like him and wherever the studio was in New York or something. I was like, oh, okay. So he was literally just 
flying uh, through here. Nothing more than that. I'll note that 2014 Mississippi State yeah. team. That well, that was the year when uh, I believe it was the year that Mississippi State and Ole Miss were ranked one two for a week there. Uh, before they ended up losing to guess who? Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl that year. Yes. Uh, fun stuff there. Um, yeah, Mullen, Mullen would be that'd be that'd be hilarious. But yeah, I mean, he's uh, at- I would, yeah, I'd like to touch on those caveats too before before we before we get off the Mullen the Mullen yep. train. I want to touch on those caveats. Um, the distance the him being uninterested in recruiting, uh, you had to kind of dig into that. He definitely wasn't as interested in recruiting as he should be, but as he completely mail it in, you, you, that's what a search firm's for. Search firm has to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Um, he has to not, while well, he, he doesn't have to be a hit the road guy and recruit his ass off, but he does need to show interest in it. And secondly, he needs to be, he's, a prickly personality that has a reputation for being hard to work with. Uh, and if he can't form an effective staff, because guys don't want to work with him, you can't hire him as a head coach. If he, if he's burned up his goodwill within the coaching community. Um, I don't know the answer to those questions. Those are my caveats. And that's why he's tier one minus. If he, if both of those investigations come back favorably for him, he's firmly tier one for me. But if he's not, if, if, then I'm not interested at all. Um, so you got to check those boxes from a realism standpoint. He's not coaching. He has no buyout. There's no money to pay. It, the only thing that would keep him from, you know, accepting this job is not wanting to rush into a bad situation while he's a cushy TV job. Yeah. So he could say no, yeah. but it, it, this might be the best opportunity he gets to get back into coaching for a while at the same time. It's a good, it's a good spot to build up from if he feels like getting to a, one of those perennial power five top power fives again, like he was um, at Florida. And I mean, Mississippi state, another division is probably a powerhouse as well with where he got that team. So uh, I mean, the track records there until he fell off and until he, uh, last year's fall off, which as I'm looking now, five, five and six and 11 games coaching last year. So not great, but before that had not lost more than four games outside of his second to last year, Mississippi state. Um, in a very long stretch. So, you know, he had and had a pretty good bowl, has a very good bowl game record too, as well, for what it's worth. He is uh, one, uh, he is two and two in a, in a New Year's Six Bowls. So, pretty darn good. Um, Jake, either of you, any last words on who you want to have as a coach? Uh, just, I, I mean, nothing's going to really be resolved until we get a guy anyway. So there's not much we can go off of, but I mean, like what's, what, what, what are the current feelings right now? Just so we can feel what, just feel what we're feeling right now. Those are my three tier one or tier one minus guys. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you have anyone you want to mention. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting just to see how kind of the, the discourse has changed since the last time we did this, or or maybe even last year when we were talking about, potential candidates just seeing how uh, I think the name that probably most clearly comes to mind is Will Healy, uh, who's recently fired from Charlotte, um, where things just aren't working out, right? Um, I I feel like uh, Tyson Helton was a name I had heard thrown around um, last year as well. Just, you know, it's nothing's ever guaranteed, right? We can't say that, you know, (laughs) just like certain, certain times when it seems like coaching hires, cough, cough, Tony Elliott, um, seem to be happening. E- even stuff like that isn't isn't guaranteed. So, um, I think just uh, more than having other candidates in mind, it would be just hope that you know uh, Jay Bot sits down with the numbers with the people in the GTAA uh, and hears about what their needs are, uh, what uh, what information is out there for him to use, and making sure that he's making a hire that not only is you know, somebody who's uh, a schemer or a recruiter, but somebody who knows what they're getting into at, at Georgia Tech. Because I think one of the themes that we've uh, kind of touched on tonight, maybe not so much the Mullen Florida part, but Mullen at Mississippi State, um, Chadwell everywhere he's been, Bill Clark basically everywhere he's been. I almost said Rick Clark. Oops. Um, <laughs> uh, like those those are people who have handled tough jobs in unique situations. And, and Georgia Tech, um, I, I say this without any... I think without any bias, it's a unique job, a unique situation, and it's a hard one. Um, and, and, you know, whoever is going to come in is not only going to need to, um, you know, be be able to scheme or recruit, but just know what they're getting into. Because I think 
in in retrospectives that are already coming out about um Jeff Collins. I don't like saying his name, but I'll I'll put it out there. I think it seems like one of the things that people are saying is just he didn't adapt to everything he needed to do at a at a tough and unique situation. So Jeff Collins was just a fool. <laughs> yeah. There's no, no no bones about it. He he yeah. he did everything wrong. And I think more comes out the more I just am bewildered at how he even got to this point in his career other than nepotism. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we can, we can unbox your feelings about Matt rule and the Carolina Panthers. Well, let's not Panthers, do that. We're that not might doing be a topic that here today. That's, podcast. Cause that's people, not... people are going to ask about like Matt rule and whether or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On a coaching profile standpoint, like if you're going to put stats on the paper, his college stats only, they look pretty good, but no, I'll just leave it at that. So we don't do that. Don't say so we don't do this. No, we'll, 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 we'll cut the coaching stuff there. Well, before we go too far into that, um, that was good. Thanks for your insight there, Kiefer. That's, I learned a lot because I had not, that's not my, that's my strong suit. So um, hopefully whoever we get, I will learn intimately in terms of his football career and all that kind of good stuff. So I can carry a conversation. Um, I'm going to quickly go into volleyball uh, before we wrap up here. We had two games here at, o- at O'Keefe this weekend. Uh, we play in Boston College and Syracuse. Uh, sweeps on both of them, thank goodness. Uh, 25, 19, 13, and 18 over Boston College. 18, 21, and 20 over Syracuse. They were our 11th and 12th sweeps of the year. Um, so that keeps us squarely in third place in the ACC. This is where we were standing at the time. Um, they were Tech was ranked number 10, back in the top 10 this week. Uh, in the AVCA for both these matches. The Syracuse, they were fourth and pretty squarely in fourth, we had mentioned last week, um, but through some tiebreakers and whatnot, them, their loss to Georgia Tech today pushes them down to sixth. Uh, Julia Bergman notably got to cl- eclipse the 1,500 career kill mark at Georgia Tech. Uh, she is getting closer to Maria Brambia for eighth in school history, and uh, by my projections, at least by the sets per, or kills per set, and that we're basically sweeping everybody that's not a ranked team in the ACC. Um, in three to four games, she'll probably hit that mark. Jake, you got a note? Yeah, Jack, uh, before people burn down our comments, I want them to know that you know her name's Mariana, not Maria Brambia. Ah, um, I said Maria, sorry. But, I thought I said it right. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say, that's that's how we get hate mail from a really specific is, subsection of people. Yes. But um, Mar- Marianne- in terms of overall conference, uh, overall conference looks, uh, Syracuse, I don't want to say they hadn't played nobody. Uh, in conference, but they're they've got some pretty clunkery clunkery losses, um, and, and the wins that they do have are Boston College, Duke, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, uh, North Carolina, yeah. and Clemson. So nothing too uh, their overall record too crazy there. Yeah, yeah. Overall- um, Good. I did want to ask you one thing as well. Yes. Um, I, I think one uh, as somebody who didn't watch the games but was following your your tweeting live, uh, Boston College and Syracuse. Generally not great teams, not a ton of takeaways that we can take here. But the second set over BC, I saw very clearly that it was 24 to 8. And I see that the final score was 25 to 13. And we've talked about Tech having a tough time just getting a last point or even a clutch point, yep. even if it's not at the end of the set. Yep. Um, thoughts on thoughts on that? Because that's really the only thing I can I can take away from you. Yep. Yeah. having not seen the games. So thankfully we, we were on track to win that set 25 to 5 at one point. Like that was we were just destroying them. It was, it was just a cakewalk of all cakewalks I've seen, you know, Keith this year, but, and then, yeah, it just, it just happened again where you just lose it for a second. Uh, we had to call, I mean, we, they, we tech allowed five straight points on set point. And I kept updating the tweet. Boston college saved three set points, four set points, but, and it just kept going. And eventually Collier called timeout. She's like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and then I think it was a service error and we won the set after that. So no, it was, that same pro- it, it was that problem again, but in terms of not closing it out, but it's I, I have a hard time putting it in the same bucket as the other ones because the lead was so large at that point that I, okay. I, I, I don't think the urgency matches then the intensity matches those other cases that we've been seeing. Um, but I think it's I think it's okay. still worth it was worth bringing up still like it still happened. Um, and it also happened today. Okay. Uh, Syracuse had their own stretches. They had we had a nine point stretch that we eventually gradually gave back to Syracuse a little bit, not all the way, but um, we were up a lot in the second set again, and then kind of let them claw their way back in. Um, and Syracuse had a six point stretch at one point in in the match. I don't have the article up that I wrote today, but they got back into it. 
Um, Moss, Aaron Moss today though, had her career day. Her family was in town. Uh, she had 14 kills and eight blocks for 19 points total, which was the most on tech's team. Um, her and Bergman were going back and forth for who had the most kills late in the third set, which was really fun just to see them both just climb up as the day went on. Uh, Syracuse had no stopping for Moss whatsoever. They're, they're, the middle of the floor for them was an uh, easy, easy target. Um, and then, but I wanted to also note, uh, Syracuse, they had only a five person bench. Um, they had, they lost a lot of folks uh, before the season started and they could just couldn't recruit fast enough to get to fill in their, to get folks to fill in the, uh, the roster spots. So they only played with uh, 11 people today, but they have this girl, Polina Shimanova, who was just insane. Jake, I really wished you were there to watch this girl serve. The ball went higher than Kayla's toss. She doesn't bend. She's taller than Kayla. She doesn't bend down as much on her serve, but it's faster than Kayla's serve. I swear to God, it's faster. And it just was all the things you would ever want to see in a serve. She had three aces. Two of them just blew by everyone. No one even, I don't think they could react. Like it was, it was the most perfect surge I've ever seen. Um, So she's great. But then I looked it up. She's on Russia's junior national team. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Um, she also had 19 points, but I just want to shout her out because she is now, because as of a couple of games ago, she became Syracuse's career kill leader. So we got to see some history uh, in front of us. Uh, Bre- uh, yeah. Breland Morissette hit 833 today. Uh, I, we I, we should go to her more because if she hits the ball, it's usually a kill. It's kind of insane. Um, I mean, that's what we, that's at least, I, I, I don't know how you feel in explicitly as I feel about this, but Middles have been working this year. Outside hitting is not. And every day that Morissette and Moss continue their relentless march towards being the most efficient possible volleyball players that you could be on the planet, uh, it, it just makes me go, why even bother with outside hitting? Who needs it? Um, I, but, I mean, uh, that's, we used I mean, it more today. I was in the car for both games, and Rec Radio doesn't broadcast, uh, through no fault of Rec Radio's own, by the way, they don't broadcast the games on the radio anymore. Yeah, you had to go through that now. A little bit tough. But um, one thing I will say, having been scoreboard watching the rest of the ACC, Pitt's defeat of number two, Louisville, um, does put them at 10 0 and in the driver's seat for the conference. Uh, Louisville does not lose regular season games. So that is very notable. Uh, Another five setter. They played a hell of a five setter last year um, as as well. And then. yeah, that just is is all the more disappointing because if we beat Pitt, we would still control our own destiny in the destiny in the ACC. So gonna need some, gonna need Louisville to get him back, and then for us to beat Louisville and Pitt uh, in in the return uh, for all three of those two and two. So it seems like a, an interesting weekend around the conference, at least. That would be incredible if that could happen. Pitt now has four wins against top ten teams this year, which is nuts. Louisville hadn't lost an ACC game since twenty twenty. Uh, in the front half of the COVID year, but that makes 37 conference matches in a row, 36 in a row that they had won until today. So crazy stuff. That match went to five sets as well, three, two. So it was, it was exactly how that match should have gone in terms of uh, an upset yeah, win over a powerhouse. In, until they posted that spring schedule in 2020, Tech had been the penciled in uh, ACC conference winner, finishing the fall with the best slate. So uh, yeah. definitely definitely been very consistent since that very weird uh fall year for really every sport but um yeah uh in terms of that that's really all i got on volleyball like i said it was mostly just scoreboard watching for yeah me, so. i i would say for two teams that we should have beat we should we beat them as we should have it was we did not have that third set in duke where it's just like why why are we giving them this why are we giving away the set i never got the sense that we were giving away a set so i'm calling that improvement i we took care of business when we needed to take care of business there was multiple spots. We were up three or four, but it's still in striking in striking distance to win, but it also in striking distance to completely lose it. And it did not happen in those moments. So I am calling this weekend a win in progress in that sense. Uh, and then going forward, we have four straight road games. Just this weekend is in the great state of North Carolina, where we play North Carolina at six o'clock on Friday and then NC State one o'clock on Sunday. Both games are on ACC Network Extra. Let And speaking of the ACC, let's move on to football stuff. Uh, get some games here we've got a thursday nighter we've got a bunch of saturday games a lot more of the conference plays this coming weekend so let's do some quick picks here Kiefer, virginia tech or north carolina state thursday 7 30 in raleigh i would go with north carolina state at home uh vt has been shaky all year and they've been improving some and nc state you don't really know exactly what you're going to get but i 
don't have a lot of faith in either of these either of these Virginia teams. Yeah, I uh, I'm going with NC State here. Yeah, they're without uh, you know their starting quarterback, and and they seem to be um, kind of underperforming some of the expectations people had for them. But I I <laughs> until Virginia Tech and and I guess Virginia too start doing things to prove me wrong, I'll I'll, I'll wait on that. I will take the Wolfpack as well, all the above reasons. And then moving to Saturday, this is the faux ACC game, Syracuse uh, hosting Notre Dame, which uh, the team that's four and three is not who we expect to be four and three, and the team that's six and one is not who we expect to be six and one. So, who do, uh, Jake, who do you got in the in the should be still called Carrier Dome? Yeah, um, as much as I want to say that Syracuse is going to like have the wheels fall off the bus, I don't think they are. Uh, I think they learned a lot about themselves and maybe ACC refing too on, uh, on Saturday. I think they're at home and much like uh, Virginia tech, Notre Dame hasn't exactly made me um, have to believe in them and, and be confident in them. So give me, give me Syracuse, especially with the line, only two points. I, I yeah. think they can, I, I think that game can be enough in the end that they can pull that off. Kiefer, what you got? Give me cues. Uh, look at Notre Dame, a team that, uh, based on emotion, hired a familiar guy instead of going for the optimal choice that was clearly in front of them, and now they're regretting hmm. it. Hmm. Tying things back in. I do want to note that Tech uh, plays at Florida State at noon as well. So given that swimming is down there, I hope for their sake that uh, the, the swimming guys can uh, take in the game and doke because that's very interesting That'd be cool. ball yard. That'd be cool. Yeah. I will also take Syracuse because wouldn't that be great to see Notre Dame lose to Syracuse just to say it happened one time. Uh, 12 o'clock, also UConn-Boston College. Oh, lordy. Boston College is a seven-and-a-half point favorite because, you know, it's UConn in football. Kiefer, what you got? So this is my sicko pick. So I, should I, should I well, save it or should I actually – No, go ahead. Yeah, go, just give us a winner it. and we'll do the line on the on your sicko. Okay. Um. Do I actually think UConn is going to beat Boston College? No, but I do want to point some things out. Uh, this is at UConn, which is interesting. Yes. Um, yeah. And a stadium sponsored by Pratt & Whitney. Yeah, I didn't know that till right now. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. So uh, UConn, it's at UConn. It's a noon game. Boston College has beaten Louisville by one in Maine, and Maine. That's it. They've lost to everyone else. <laughs> again, we're going to tie things again, uh, tie things back again. Boston College hired Jeff Halfley based on recruiting. And like he didn't have a track record or any evidence that you could point to that said, hey, this guy builds up programs. He was just a, a co-DC a co at Ohio State where he had some recruiting wins. He recruited to Ohio State. Good job. Recruiting doesn't travel like good coaching. So, and yet another caveat and tour, uh, when you're looking for a coach, focus on the things that travel well and focus on the things that matter, or you could end up regretting your choice down the road. So I, I guess I'm picking Boston College, but my sicko pick is not going to be Boston College. Oh, good news. Jake, what you got? Yeah. Um, Man, as much as I want to pick UConn for the memes, I can't. I can't do it. Um, I, I think Boston, Boston College wins. They might not cover though. UConn looks a little bit better than they have in the past, uh, even if they're not uh, super tremendous. I am picking the weather in this game. 50, 53 degrees in Connecticut in the fall. That sounds amazing at noon. Not going to get too cold. You got the sun. I'm gonna. I'm just going to pick the weather. That's my win for that game. Um, Twelve thirty, Miami, Virginia, both three and four, both one win teams in the ACC. It is in Charlottesville at Scott Stadium. I I I guess I'm gonna pick Virginia here because I, I want that that maybe that validates our loss a little bit more. I don't know, uh, Jake. What do you think? Uh, I think Miami is packing it in and quitting pretty hard. Uh, they looked absolutely horrible uh, this weekend, and I cannot imagine uh, that they are getting up for a. Uh, three and four Virginia team. Though, if you're going to pick the weather again, Scott Stadium, uh, end of October is a pretty awesome place Ooh. to visit, having been there a couple of years ago. Yes, that is good. Kiefer, which orange team are you picking? I'm picking Raycom Sports. Uh, this is a Raycom yes. deserves game at yes. 1230. Um, God, if I really had to pick a team, I honestly think Miami will win this game. 
as much as I, I think they, you know, maybe they'll pack it in. Maybe they will. I, I don't know, but I, they're probably not going to turn the ball. Probably not going to turn the ball over eight times again. And Virginia yeah. showed me nothing. Uh, really Georgia tech just gave that game back to them and had Sims been healthy. I don't think it, I think tech would have won. Virginia has very little going for them. And like I said, with VT until, until these Virginia teams show me something, I'm not picking them. Good call there. Yeah. 3.30, Louisville and Wake Forest. Wake Forest is now uh, see their 10, number 10 in the country now, 6-1, and 2-1 the ACC. Louisville is 4-3. Tickets as low as $10 at Cardinal Stadium to go see this game. Wake is favored by 5. Jake, would you – I would I would deign to think you would take the, the Demon Deacons. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Wake, even though Louisville's at home. Louisville, I think, maybe is doing enough not to get sat fired, but I, I don't know. The Clawfence, uh, the Clawfence provides. It sure does. Keeper, what you got? So I think this game might end up being a little closer than is expected. Um, the line is only is five. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. well, no, Vegas already expects it. Um, you know, I, I had the same thought, Jake. Uh that Louisville's doing enough to not get sat fired. But then Joey pointed out the remaining schedule is just awful. I think they have a non-conference that's difficult to, uh, and it's escaping me, but, oh, it's Kentucky. Yeah, of course, it's always Kentucky. But yeah. the, 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 I think this will be closer because Louisville's been playing a lot better as of late, but um, give me Wake Forest. I, I don't think it'll be enough. I would pick the Demon Deacons as well. Eight o'clock, Pittsburgh, North Carolina. North Carolina ranks their 21st, six and one overall this year. Game is in Chapel Hill, only favored by three. So not like Vegas ain't buying into this fully yet. Um, I'm I'm gonna pick the Tar Heels here because it's at home. Uh Kiefer, what you got? Uh give me North Carolina. Pitt is turbo garbage. And I'll stand by that. It's like they saw everything that they did well last year and were like, we don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> um and I know I'm kind of stealing that take from various other sources or just co-opting it from my own. So I appreciate everyone else who's pointing out all the things that uh, Pat Narduzzi is doing to be very Pat Narduzzi. Uh, I think I'm going to take North Carolina as well. I don't know why in my head canon, I thought they weren't six and one and top 25 material, but stranger things are. have happened. And uh, if they get to go down to uh, Charlotte to get uh, walloped by Clemson, you know, May they be the last sacrifice for coastal chaos. Indeed. Uh, Sicko picks of the week. I am going against one of our coaching candidates, Marshall. I have them just winning outright over coastal Carolina. That seems fun. Validate that Notre Dame win here. Beat, beat, beat a, beat a good up and coming team here. That's, that's what I got. Jake, what you got? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to pick Northwestern. Yay of one win. Over Nebraska, it came in Ireland. They have not won yet in America this year. Uh, and I'm going to pick them over Iowa because I'm partially willing it into uh, into happening that this is finally the game that gets the Ferentz uh, regime at least uh, some sort of shaky shaky legs. Um, again, I think the line's Iowa by 10.5. I don't think Iowa has really much good going for them. I don't yep. think Northwestern has much going for them. But when this game winds up being like 8-5, to five, yeah, they, oh, you'll see why it'll score. be sick. Good score call right there. Yes, yes. Kiefer, what you got? So I already kind of spoiled this, but against the spread, I'm going with UConn over Boston College, who I think is about to get Jeff Hafley fired. Um, I already kind of spoke to it, but I think this game is going to be pretty darn close. It's a little over a touchdown spread from what I saw, um, and it's at UConn. Uh, and that that would be a firing. If, if, if Boston College out – Right loses, Halfley's gone. <laughs> he has to be gone. Oh boy! I think some of the drama around this sport is more enten- entertaining than the sport itself. Sometimes, I, yes, this is this is correct. When you have awful football, the, the you have to go to the surrounding details to to draw entertainment. When you're addicted to it, like we are, so uh, that yeah, yep. that that makes sense. Uh, next week we are previewing the women's basketball team as they are almost. It is almost time for them to get going. Uh, we'll do men's men the next week. Uh, before they really get going on their schedule. Um, Jake, you put it a last minute, put a tweet in the thread. What you got here for that? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, it looked like uh, the Lady Vols were at Georgia Tech today because uh, Tech had posted a picture. Um, so maybe there was some sort of 
secret scrimmage a la men's basketball. By the way, if y'all haven't heard, Ken and Kelly were reporting that Tech men did defeat Vanderbilt 80 to 76 uh, in a secret scrimmage there. So maybe there was something going on with the Vols, but uh, they they seem to be in town for the ladies. So um, it, it's it's around that time each year that you kind of forget college basketball is coming until they start dropping like, ooh, like closed doors uh, scrimmages and stuff. stuff so happens. it's time. Yeah. It's basketball time. Uh, and and the good a good a lovely move by the Lady Vols they uh, presented the team with some Tasha Tough shirts for everyone involved for Tech and for or they showed up in Tasha Tough shirts and and uh, Tasha's battle with cancer cancer has been quite a uh, a bastion of something to, for people to follow and support and just come together as a basketball community which has been uh, a, a good thing to see and we're glad that she's out out here still coaching and doing her thing. Uh, with mm-hmm. that, I think that's all we got for now. Uh, either of you got any final words? Kiefer, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I had a, had a really good time. Uh, if we're going to you know, plug anything in here at the end, uh, yeah. read the coaching profiles. Um, and when thinking about coaches, I'm talking to you, Dion and Del McGee supporters. Think about the lines you're being sold and whether or not you're there getting your emotions manipulated and whether or not the reasons you want to coach are cemented in evidence or emotion. That's all I ask. Reasonable. I think that's indeed. fair. We will. That, that, hey, it's very Georgia Tech of us. I mean, well, what else would we expect from, from ourselves? That's just, that's just what we do. Anyways, Jake, please take us home. Yep. Uh, as always, y'all know where to find us. If you found this podcast, tell your friends. Uh, Science of the Southland does, uh, does appreciate all word of mouth advertising. Uh, you can find this uh, at all major podcast distributors, and you can also find it at fromtherumbleseat.com uh, where articles go up associated with this. If you have comments, feedback, questions for us, uh, you can post it in the comments there. You can find us on Twitter or over email as well. Uh, that email is fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. Again, all that feedback does help us get you guys what you want to hear, um, whether that's uh, guests or uh, other features or just you know what we're talking about and, and digging into on on each show in terms of twitter you can find us at ftrs blog and we do try and interact uh, pretty regularly there you can find myself at jake grant 98 on twitter you can find jack at jack nicholas uh, you can find akshay uh nowhere apparently but uh, gameonpaper.com uh, for all of your advanced stats needs Kiefer, uh where can the people find you i actually forgot my twitter handle let's find it it is. This is great podcasting. <laughs> we just At lost all, all, everyone that was listening. Just turned this a podcast off right now. <laughs> At yeah. FTRS underscore Kiefer on Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. You can find him there and you can also find section 103 at section 103. They're a great partner for this, uh, this here podcast, this here blog, and you can find them at section 103.com. Read engineering a program and good night. Good luck. Go Jackets. <laughs> <laughs>